many of you may have heard on WGN over the weeks. Uh, he is my law partner, Conti and Dolan. My new partner, Patrick Dolan, he's a very experienced uh, labor and employment attorney for over two decades. He's represented executives and businesses and employment matters. He drafts and negotiates employment agreements, non-competes, and he advises and litigates issues regarding discrimination, harassment, and wrongful termination. Uh, welcome to the show, Patrick. Thanks, Karen. Good to be here. Always nice to see you. Always good to see you. So Father's Day is upon us two weeks from today. Yep. I think I said earlier one week. I meant two. And uh, happy Father's Day early to you. I know Thank you. I know you have, have children. Um, you know, it used to be that fathers just worked and mothers tended to children, and that's the way kind of the law protected uh, people in family law situations. But now it's all gender neutral, and women uh, are expected to support children as men are, and both men and women are going to events and, and taking care of their children with driving and kids' activities and cooking and doing all those types of things. Um, and while I was saying earlier uh, in my intro, um, women in the workplace have kind of been focused on, but I want to talk a little bit about fathers in the workplace and if there are any issues here that we might discuss that might be a little bit different than mothers in the workplace. Let's um, talk about family leave. I think that might be an issue where you see you know, a woman have a baby, a, you know, she takes her maternity leave or her family leave, but tell me about how men are treated when it comes to this issue. You know what, um, Karen, I think it's interesting because I've talked to a number of, uh, you know, of, of my clients Men and women have the same rights under the Family Medical Leave Act. They have the same rights under the new Paid Sick Leave Act in Illinois. Uh, there's gen- these are all gender-neutral benefits. But I don't think the workplace has really caught up to where the law is. And it's usually the inverse of that. Usually the law is right. a little bit slow. So I think men are reluctant to take this leave that has afforded them just like women under the Family Medical Leave Act to take care of children, family members themselves, and with this new paid sick leave law, they'll have the same they'll have the same benefits. They'll be able to take up to 40 hours a year of paid time off um, for any reason. But it's the practical reality of the situation that people talk to me about male clients talk to me about all the time. I don't want to do it. I feel like I'm retaliated against. Um, I get looked at sideways by my boss or another, you know, executive who I work with. And he's like, geez, John, you got to take off six weeks to take care of your new kid. You know, where's your wife? Yeah, we're, right. right. Where's your wife? Yeah. So yeah. I think say it, they could, they'd be thinking it. No, right? they, they're definitely thinking it. Yeah. And, and my clients tell me that that's the feeling they get, if not what they hear precisely. Do you really need to do that? What's your wife doing? So I think that is more of a hurdle. I think the law is good on being gender neutral, but it's really interesting. I get this issue all the time, Karen. They ask, they say, I don't feel comfortable doing it. And I'm just not, I'm just not going to do it because I don't feel comfortable. Or I guess you could, you could lie about it. You could say, I'm not feeling well today or like for a sick leave. Could, if, it's yeah. sick, if it's a sick day, you know, you want to take a couple sick days because your kid is sick. Instead of saying your kid's sick, you say, I'm, I'm not feeling well. Yeah, under FMLA, it's up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave, right? And if you have vacation time, you could use that to make part of that paid. 12 weeks is a, you know, it's a, a pretty it's a pretty good amount of time when you're talking about uh, tending to a newborn child or a sick child or something like that. That's pretty good. It's not great if we're in Europe. Almost every other country is way better than, than that, and it's all paid. Um, but they're, they're just, they're just not going to do it. 
I mean, they're just not going to do it. And I literally have a client who took that t- 10 weeks and was fired and we're asserting it's because of gender discrimination and a violation of the FMLA. So, you know, there's a lot of reluctance there. I hope, I, I think companies are getting better. I think large companies in particular are getting better because more men are utilizing the leave that they're entitled to. But I think smaller companies uh, you know, have to be have to have 50 employees for the FMLA to apply to you. So smaller companies in the 50, 100, 200 employee range, I think there's still a lot of reluctance there on men to, for men to take that leave. And, and I also think that the age of the bosses matters because when you have people who grew up maybe in a traditional home or, you know, where the wife stayed home at least a while for kids, with kids, and, and so there's a lot of judging saying, I never stayed home with my kids. Like, why would you have to do that? You know, and, and, and frankly, why would you want to do that? Yeah, I think, so, right. I think, so, I think some <laughs> right. of them are looking at that. Go, why do you want to do that? So, yeah. You know, it's better here. Yeah. You know, we get to go out after after work and do <laughs> do whatever. So, I, you know, I think there's, I think that there is an age element to it as far as the reaction to men uh, asserting their rights to take leave. Um, that's, I think that is true, actually. And also, you know, I they're like, I came up, you know, I never took time off. I never took time off for anything. I had to work, work, work. You have to work, work, work. Yes, That's just exactly, how it is. Exactly. That's just how it is. Yes. Um, about, we have about 2 million stay-at-home dads. Uh, different stats say different things. But when, they, when dads who are out of the workforce because they're taking care of kids re-enter the workforce, they have to explain why they are out of the workforce. And I know women that have to do that can explain it and not to say that it's well-received, because if you're out of the workforce for five years, especially if you're in a tech company or something where you might have fallen behind, it's not always well-received. But for a man, it's worse. Right. Oh, I think I think it is worse. And frankly, for a woman, for women, it's hard enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I think women who take time off uh, to have a baby and, t- and tender their tender their newborn child, that's hard enough. You know, when are you going to come back to work? When you know? So I I think there's a lot. Uh, I still think there's reluctance, which is it just it surprises me and disappoints me that I still have these calls and these issues about men and women who are concerned about retaliation. So. Yeah, and, and it's hard to prove that, you know. It's, it is hard to prove. I mean, because if someone doesn't get hired, you can't just call them up and go, hey, did you take that into account that I that I was out of the workforce for five years and I'm a man and you don't like that? I mean, how do you know if someone's not hiring you because of your, your gap on your resume? Yeah, and, and uh, they don't have to tell you why. No, no company has to tell you under the law why mm-hmm. they did not hire you. It's left for you to try to figure out whether it's your gender, whether you do have that gap in your uh, resume, uh, you know why uh, it that is that is really difficult to prove that there's discrimination or retaliation in the hiring process when the company doesn't need to say anything to you. Now that's not to say that it's impossible because it's not because I've had that issue a lot. And if you ask and they provide you with some information, it doesn't sound right to you. You're eminently qualified for the job according to your resume. Uh, why do I not get an interview? Why am I at least not getting an interview? A lot of companies will, even though they don't have to, will respond to that. If it doesn't ring true, then there are a lot of other questions you have to ask. Is it because of fill-in-the-blank protected category? My gender, my age, my race, the fact that I didn't work for you know a couple of years, took time off to take care of the kids, whatever it is, then you get to start to ask those questions and peel back the end to find out, is it illegal what they did in not hiring you? So 
there are, it's hard, I agree, Karen, but there are ways to get about at that information. Yeah, and, and, and you also don't know who they eventually hired. You may not. You may not know did, who did they hire in my that, that I should have had that job, and what did that person's resume say, and yeah, how did know. that stack up? You, you, you really you don't, don't, you right don't know. know. You're, you're, yeah. Frankly, you're not going to know anything about the other candidates. Absolutely. We're here talking to Patrick Dolan, um, Conti and Dolan. Uh, he does employment law, and we're going to be taking your calls at 4 o'clock. We have a few more topics to cover. You'll be calling us here at 312-981-7200 or text to that same number, 312-981-7200. Back in a minute. If only we worked just nine to five. Right. I always tell my law students when I used to teach, I was like, it's not a nine to five job. No, it's no. Not. And now it's even worse because we're always available, right? Yes. We're always available since COVID. We are available on Sundays at midnight when someone wakes up and has a question and uh, it just never ends. Here with Patrick Dolan. He practices employment law. He's represented executives and businesses in over two decades. We were talking a little bit during the break about men suing for discrimination. We yep. all know that you know women can sue for discrimination. And you hear men say, you know, I feel like I'm, they're hiring all women or they're hiring all minorities. Like, I'm, I'm a white guy and I'm being discriminated against. Can a man actually be successful suing saying that they're being discriminated against based upon their sex? Well, I think that's actually two questions. Can they sue? Yes. Will they be successful? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> for, I, I, it's tough. It is tough. Um, listen, the, the law, both federal and state law, protects folks from being discriminated against based on their gender okay so can a man sue if, he, if the women if a woman is being treated better yes okay that that is true um same with race uh but he, here's here's the thing and I, i've had a, a number of white male uh clients come to me and say listen i i know i'm being discriminated against you know and I, okay let's talk about that and we talk about it um it's harder, Karen. It's it's a lot harder. First of all, you're, frankly, you're gonna there's gonna be less sympathy for you. You have to start by filing a charge of discrimination, right? And so you're gonna have investigators who look at this skeptically from the beginning, right? Yeah, and so they're gonna be like, okay, the laws yeah. weren't designed for <laughs> no, th- someone and, that looks fr- like you. And frankly, right? they weren't. You right. know, and they right. weren't. Right. And and you know, for for a lot of really good reasons, they weren't. Um, but it's still gender based discrimination if the if a male is not hired because he's a male. It, the law does protect that, okay? And the law does protect that in terms of race. Um, it's just really hard. And when you're trying to assert, for example, your rights in like a demand letter, it's trying to get an, a separation agreement, and you assert that gender claim for a male, there's a lot of pushback on that. So I think, yes, the law protects uh, men like it does women. I just think it's, it's a lot harder. The practical reality is it's a lot harder. What about if an employer says, hey, listen, we've got a a bunch of white males here. We need some diversity in this workplace. Mm -hmm. And and you know what? It's been a stated um, thing in studies that diverse workplaces are are good. It's Mm -hmm. good to have women. It's it's good to have people of different uh, ethnicities and races. So what is an employer entitled to say? You know what? We've got nine men here. We need to hire a woman. But even though you came in, Patrick, and you're just as qualified as the woman, we're going to choose the woman because she's a woman. Is that okay? Um, I would say short answer is yes. Uh, you know, I think it is okay. I think there could be some pushback, and you could have the the you know man make a claim of gender discrimination. 
but if they're equally qualified, then I think it is okay. And I think diversity is, uh, you know, obviously laudable. And so I think for that reason, I think it is okay. I, you know, a lot of companies do that. Um, and they've done that even more recently, I think because there is a lot of pressure on companies to be nor- more diverse, not just in terms of gender, but in terms of race, sexual orientation. Uh, you know, there are all those reasons. So, um, yeah, I think they can do that. Now, they're, you know, they may get sued, but I, I, I don't think that claim is very strong. And I think they will continue to do that because those goals are are good goals. They are good goals. Yeah. And, and and even so, I, I feel the same way in my law firm, you know, because I've got clients from all different walks of life, male and female. And, I, you know, it's nice to have people who work for you. You know, sometimes people prefer a little bit to work with a male or a female. Well, you know, not that I'm going to say you're a man, you're going to get a male attorney. Right. It's just that it's nice to have that diversity in the workplace. It's nice to have people who look like my clients working for me. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's, it just works. It's just practical, good, uh, good thing to do. So people feel they want an attorney or an advisor in any capacity that they're comfortable with. And I think that's the most important thing. So making sure you have you staff appropriately to have people you serve be comfortable. Absolutely. It was funny. I just had a texter who said, um, it was, how did he word it? He said, um, did John Wayne have parental leave or something like that? And I said to him or her, I said, what do you mean? And then the texture said, I miss the old days. So doesn't that kind of like, again, thank you. Thank you for your text. And I think I think you speak for a lot of people. But again, the, what are the old days? Were the old days good where like a guy couldn't take off to take yeah, care I don't, of a sick I, you kid? Know, I, I, I don't they know. Might, they may be the old days, but not the good old days for, <laughs> for a lot of reasons. You know, talking, you know, I, I'm a dad. I have three kids. I, you know... Didn't take a lot of time off. I think I felt pressure to keep working. And, and I your definitely, wife's an attorney. <laughs> right, right. And I fear retaliation. So I understand what people are saying to me. Um, but I did take time off. And I should have taken time off. And I wanted to take time off. And thankfully, there are laws now that protect you know, a dad's right to do that. And I think that's important. So I don't think those are the good old days. I just think those are the old days. And I think it's a lot better now. I just hope people keep taking the time off they need for themselves and their families. And, you know, we have the laws to protect them. We can assert claims if they want to, but I think companies will and are catching up. Forced diversity is racism, says a texter from the 773. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people feel that way, and a lot of people are against quotas because it, it, they, the argument is that we're giving jobs to, to people who are not as qualified, and therefore all people of that race are not qualified. Yeah. I think there's a thought process that that really perpetuates the, the stereotype that we shouldn't have. Yeah, and I think, well, that's a, that's a different issue, whether you're talking about quotas in the workplace for folks who are, are not qualified at getting jobs who those over those who are better or are qualified. Karen, your question to me was really important. If you have two people who are equally qualified, is it okay to take the woman? Is it okay to take the minority of some sort? I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. So... I, you know, I get the argument, you know, uh, with forced quotas. I under- Listen, I understand the issues. I'm, I'm a discrimination lawyer. But I think companies have some discretion to choose who they want to among qualified candidates. Right. And that makes sense. And I think it's good to I think it's good that they can do that.
A law was just passed this week by the Illinois legislature. You know, in May, they have that flurry of legis- uh, yeah. legislation yep. that happens because they're all going home for summer, <laughs> right. and they don't want to have to come back early to do anything. Um, but all school districts, it, starting in 2027, I believe, all school districts must offer a full-time kindergarten. The school can offer half-day, but must also offer that full day. And, you know, I've heard so many people say for years, why aren't schools more geared toward the working men and women? You know, where you the school is like a nine to five so you can drop your kids off and pick them up after your job is done and you know it causes major problems when kids are out of school at 2 30 like and you gotta leave your job whatever, right. and you got an aftercare no. and so um i think this is a good very good a, a good law very good but i guess i want to ask you know about predictable work schedules and there's a lot of mm-hmm. people out there who don't have a, the same schedule every week and so they they get their schedule and then they have to plan their life accordingly uh, over the next two weeks and that causes people to have to juggle child care and all kinds of other obligations is are there some new laws about predictable work schedules yeah it's a, there are definitely some occupations where it's required that you have a, that you are provided with a predictable work schedule exactly for the reasons you just talked about Okay, because it can't change all the time. It's impossible for a parent to figure out what you're talking about. So there are laws that protect. It's not a lot of occupations, frankly, but certain occupations in terms of providing them with a predictable work schedule that they're going to have to work for that given week. So, yeah. And I think that that school issue is really interesting. And there's another example of things sort of catching up to issues that, you know, we deal with all the time. You know, how, how are you supposed to leave your job in the middle of the and go pick up your child and take them to wherever, like a daycare or aftercare or whatever. It just doesn't work. I mean, it's literally uh, a lot of practical reasons. It just doesn't work. Another law that I would like to see, if I were king, uh, would be the idea of spring break being at all different times. Like, I hear this all the time where, say, a parent has two or three kids in different schools, right? And they have three different school breaks, spring breaks. And then maybe they're in a blended family where their significant other or their new spouse has the kids on different weekends and they have different school breaks and so you can't really take the kids on vacation or you can't plan a trip or you can't plan everyone doing something together because should there shouldn't there be like a state law that spring break is always in a certain week it would be really helpful and my kids are older now and they still don't have the same spring break (laughs) we've been struggling with that for like 20 years and i know a lot of people have it's a simple Um, thing and you know catholic schools too middle schools grade schools it should all be the same it should be the same yeah. Let's do, Karen, how can we accomplish that? I'm going down to Springfield. <laughs> I'll go with you. Yeah, soon Not over the summer. Nobody's going to be there. Nobody's going to be no, there. Nobody no, works nobody works over the summer. But I, yeah. maybe, maybe in uh, uh, September we'll I'll go, go down with there. You. And we'll, we'll wear like yeah. a sandwich board, like Conti and Dolan, <laughs> advocating spring break. Right. At the same time. All at the same time. Every week. <laughs> I'm with you. That could, I'll be do my, it. that could be our legacy. <laughs> you know, great. Listen, it's a good legacy. <laughs> it is. I'm all about spring break. <laughs> I'm, you know? yeah, I'm all for about, sure. I'm all about getting away. Um, when we come back, we're going to be taking calls, 312-981-7200. Um, let me just ask you a quick question. It's summer intern season. We literally have like a minute. Maybe we can yep, finish sure. this thing on the other side. But you know, what are the general rules about whether an internship can be unpaid? Well, it should, the safe answer is you should pay your interns. Okay, yes. There's been a lot of litigation recently where companies get in trouble for having unpaid interns. It's a narrow group of interns that, you know, can be unpaid. It just doesn't exist very, uh, very often. And the law gets more and more narrow, has gotten more and more narrow. So rule of thumb, 
pay your interns. That's a really good uh, idea. Because I think the idea is that if I have someone come in my law office who's a law clerk, yes. from, say a law, yep. uh, a law, and I don't pay that person, I'm taking away a job from somebody who could be paid to do, to do that. Right. And it puts people who are less, you know, like I had to work my way through school, so I couldn't take an unpaid. And I mean, I'd, I'd have to wait tables before I took an unpaid right. internship in a law firm. So that really puts people who don't have the resources kind of at a disadvantage. And it really runs afoul now of a lot of wage laws. So you, can't, you really need to do that if you're a company. Be very careful if you don't pay your interns. Yeah. Okay. And then when we come back, I think what we should talk about a little bit, uh, along with the callers who are going to be calling in, which they're calling in now, um, I want to talk about political talk in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we are so polarized. I mean, even just even just starting to say the word Donald, people start (laughs) to freeze up one way or the other. So I want to talk a little bit about what employers can do. Can they set rules about not wearing MAGA hats, not having Biden bobblehead dolls or whatever it is? Uh, And can can that speech be be curtailed for the purposes of creating peace in the workplace? And we're coming back with Patrick Dolan. Uh, The number here, 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200 on WGN. We're taking your calls here at 312-981-7200. I'm here with Patrick Dolan. If you can't reach us here or you want to talk more privately, you can always email us, wgn at askkarenconti.com. Uh, Patrick gets those emails as well. And you can also call us at 312-332-7800. Uh, Ed and Judy, I'm going to get right to you, but I wanted to read a text. Uh, one of our texters says, is there any research to suggest that extended day kindergarten garden uh, is beneficial to children's learning. I don't think the law was solely looking at the benefit of working people. And actually, I did read a portion of an NEA um, a progr- uh, a study that showed it was an, it came out of Indiana, and it said that a full-day kindergarten uh, program leads to greater short-term and long-term gains, both socially, emotionally, and academically. So, and I think from what I understand is that even though kindergarten classes will be offered full-time, that it's not like they're going to just drill the kids the whole time, that there, there is going to be some accommodation for the fact that they're young and that they are, you know, going to get breaks and, and rest periods and, and juice, you know, periods or whatever. So it's not like it's going to be full-time, uh, hardcore, you know, um, ABCs. It's going to be something uh, a little bit less than that. Yeah, and I'm not surprised by that study, having yeah. three kids gone through the school system. I mean, I think we we, we definitely had them in programs uh, beyond half-day kindergarten. I think they really benefited from, if nothing else, socially. I just think it's a really good environment for a child to be in as much as they can, frankly. Yeah, and they're going to do studies and to yeah. figure out what's good for them. Yeah, I mean, right. it's not like they're just going to... I just thought our kids benefited from it a lot, well, being, actually. Being away from you all day. No, <laughs> oh, Karen! Wait, you know that. I don't like a little bit too... Uh, I'm to not going that. into your office tomorrow. <laughs> I had to get that dig in. Okay, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, give us a call here. If you have a question uh, for Patrick on employment law, you have a question for me on family law or any topic, I, I can kind of talk around almost anything except the tax code. I really can't talk about yeah, the tax neither. code. And I put myself to sleep when I do. 312-981-7200. Judy, welcome to WGN. Thank you for holding. What's your legal question? Hi. Yes, um, I was terminated on Friday by a nonprofit organization which receives donated items. And what I was accused of theft of pins, which said love, peace, hope, and they're usually just thrown out. They're not sold. 
And because I took them, I was told to pay $30 for it. It took five of them. And um, they told me to pay $30 to keep my job. And then they said, okay, wait in the break room after I paid the 30 And they told me, well, HR decided to terminate you. Okay, Judy, so, that, my yeah. so go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry to interrupt. <laughs> go ahead. What were you going I to think say? you're probably going to ask if that was okay or legal. That, that would be my guess, right? Can you or should you have been terminated for that? Was that your question? Yes, because the items were to be thrown out. Well, that, you know, so... Yeah. So first of all, Judy, I think it's ridiculous. How long did you work there? I've worked there since the fall. Okay. Um, So so they asked you to pay for the items and then you did and they still terminated you. Did you get your 30 bucks back? Not yet. (laughs) <laughs> that's another issue, Karen. Yeah, 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 no, I think that's a really unfortunate decision. And, you know, in, in though it seems like a really quick termination decision. So did you, you talked with them and they said what? Because they thought you were like, it, was it a theft thing? Is that what the, is that what the nonprofit is claiming? Yeah. And what I did is I actually wore the pins on the sweatshirt that they provide for us. And I thought, oh, this is really, um, Good saints, hope, love, you know, and I would put it on my my sweatshirt for work, and that's where I always had it. Yeah. Said, well, that wasn't yours to take, and I said, but I'm. I was putting it on my sweatshirt for work. Yeah, I I, th- I think <laughs> that's just, I think that's ridiculous, Karen. I really and Judy, I really do. I mean. You know, you have to be careful, obviously, when you take stuff from the office that you might, you know, a company might act irrationally and terminate them. So that's not a good idea. But, the, you know, a reasonable conversation with an HR person or your boss should have resulted in you keeping your job and saying, well, OK, I didn't you know, I thought I was just going to be thrown out. I really like these pens. I put it on what I wear to work. I certainly, you know, it's just, it's a conversation that should have been had. And I think cooler heads should have prevailed, Karen. I think that's, I think it's very strange. I mean, you know, and, you know, in in this kind of situation, um, I I guess the point would be like, listen, I've been working here since the fall. I've been a really good employee. I certainly wasn't hiding it. I had it right on my my shirt. Um, You know, I'm happy to pay for it. But gosh, you know, I'd like to keep my job. I do a good job, you know. (laughs) But but, but from a legal standpoint, you know, you're an employee at will. And I always tell people you can be fired for any reason, no reason, or an incorrect reason. So I had a case once, uh, or a client come to me, should have came, came to you, but um, uh, he, he, the, he was a doorman and there was a, a Christmas party and there was some extra wine left over and he asked somebody, can I, can I take this, can I take one of these wine right. bottles home? And, and he was told yes and then I guess the management didn't like mm. that he took a wine bottle mm-hmm. home and he was fired after working there for 10 years. You know, so again, if you're an employee at will, they can fire you even for a false reason. They can accuse you of, of stealing and embezzling money, and you can say, I didn't do it, and they can but still can fire you, you. Let me add something to this, sure. too. Um, I was going on for a, a promotion. They were going to promote me. And um, this happened on Friday. On Thursday, there was a meeting, and it said, oh, we are the best in the, the, the nation. We're number five. Uh, we're, we're doing so well. So I said, well, I'm really happy. But what do we get? Being that we're short-staffed, I said, what do we get? Do we get any raises? Do we get a bonus? Something? 
And she said, no, you're just going to get kudos. We're going to bring you donuts. Well, and I well, said, well, I'm sorry, but I can't take kudos to the bank. So and then on Friday, I got fired. So I think there's a relation here. <laughs> if, Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, go, why don't you, wait a minute, we have to take a break. Go okay, ahead. I would say if, if there is a relay, if you were terminated because you're complaining about a term or condition of your job, that's illegal. And if they're saying it was theft and that's a pretext, in other words, it's not really theft, then it could mm-hmm. be related to your complaints about your wages or something. That's illegal. That's a different issue, though. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. let, well good luck to you. I hope, I hope it rectifies and, um, and continue to wear your pins in good health, I guess. <laughs> All right, Judy, take care. Uh, this is uh, okay. Karen Conti Show on WGN. I was just thinking about walking uh, down the sidewalk. Did you hear the story about these birds? I think they're, I don't, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, peregrines. Okay. Which are like kind of hawkish birds. And apparently there, there's some of them in the Chicago area and they protect their babies by coming down and swooping. And some patent lawyer was walking down Wacker Drive. It's not funny. And And the bird came down and gave him a gash in the head. Now I said, I said this to my husband. He goes, well, who did he sue? I'm like, come on, that's not nice. You know, wait, I have to tell you real quick. So my kids are laughing right now, if they're listening. <laughs> they probably <laughs> they aren't, probably Patrick. Aren't. No, they Sorry, never I, don't take it, I don't take it personally. No. I said I'm on your show. I think they're listening to you. Oh, okay. Um, but they're laughing right now no. because I have been attacked by a bird protecting its nest by our house in Wilmette. And I am paranoid now. Oh. I really am paranoid about walking about birds. Yeah. So that's why I'm smiling. Oh, yeah. Not about the poor guy who got gashed in the head. No. I understand how you he feels. You know he's trying to sue somebody. He's trying to figure <laughs> it out. But I guess there are signs down near yes, Record Drive that says, like, mind your kids, like, because they come down and swim yeah. and take your No, meat. seriously, they're really aggressive. Yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Let's go to the phone lines. We're taking your legal questions here on any legal topic. If you have employment law questions, Patrick will answer it. Family law, I will answer it. And if it's something I don't know, Patrick will try to answer it. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Ed, thank you for patiently waiting. Hi, welcome to WGN. My question. Uh, yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, yesterday, I was contacted by one of my grandsons, um, he's a college student, and he's close to finishing his undergraduate program. And he's apparently been savings for saving for a graduate program. Um, he had the cash, uh, well over twenty thousand dollars, in a downtown bank, in both checking and I would imagine money market. I'm not sure of that. Um, anyways, he received an email. Uh, now, being a student, I take it he's not reading newspapers or keeping up with, you know, radio programs, etc., worrying you about um, Internet scams. So he received uh, what he thought to be a legitimate email from Microsoft saying that he was in um, at risk for losing his funds if he didn't move them quickly. And, of course, he didn't talk to anybody. He just... Uh, felt that he needed to do something, he thought it was a legitimate source, and he then sent the cash. I'm not sure if he made an interbank transfer or if it was outside the bank, but anyways, he followed the direction, and lo and behold, the funds disappeared. Oh, that's just heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. That's a horrible story. And he's uh, obviously concerned that his career is now jeopardized substantially. Yeah. So... 
So, Anyways, he made a he, he apparently made a verbal call to the bank, and they declined any liability because he took the actions to move the funds. Um, my question is: Is there any liability or anything he should do further? Should he, you know, get somebody to go with him to the bank to file a formal compl- uh, complaint of some sort? You know, um, uh, it seems like. I mean, he he can try and go and talk to somebody in in the bank and, you know, maybe ask for a manager to speak with. But I don't see any legal obligation of the bank. You know, banks, you know, unless they were involved in the transfer in that, you know, that that they allowed something to happen that would facilitate that transfer or facilitate the bad communication. um, You know, I just don't see that this is a criminal act of a third party. And this is how the law looks at it. When there's a criminal act of a third party, you know, banks, all their responsibilities are really, you know, irrelevant because, the, you know, this happens all the time, unfortunately. And I've, I've heard about three of them this week. I, there's some really good scams going on out there, hmm. apparently. But I just don't think he's going to be successful. I mean, maybe some branch manager is going to be nice and feel like a little bit of sympathy for him. But my guess is that if they do that for him, they're going to do it for everyone. But but I have to tell you, I want to thank you for for getting on the phone and, and waiting on the phone and telling our listeners to really, really be careful. I, I just had a, an older woman call me and tell me she lost $200,000 in a scam. Before you do anything, before you move anything, you, you know, even if the email address looks correct or the phone number kind of adds up. I just had one the other day that came to me that yeah. I looked at it and I just realized, oh, this is a scam. And of course, when you're in a very busy situation, you get all these emails and you think, oh, okay, I got to do this, right? <laughs> you got to really think about it. You got to really, and ask somebody. If you're a person who's yeah. not tech savvy, ask your, your son or your daughter or your friend or your neighbor or a librarian or somebody because this is just a heartbreaking situation. And they do look legit. Yes. I mean, do. they're really good at making them look legit. I delete them, put them in the trash, and then empty the trash on my computer because I'm so paranoid that they're trying to get in through this email to my system or something. Yeah. But, oh, that's a horrible story. Yeah, I'm but, sorry. but thank you, Ed. And, and, and let me know if, if your son is able to uh, convince the bank to help him. Um, my guess is that's not going to be a good answer to that question. Grandson. Your grandson. I'm yeah, sorry. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Ed. Take care. Um, okay. We're taking you. your calls at 312 981 7200. Let's go to Chris. Hi, Chris. Welcome to WGN. Hi. Hi. Good. Hi, Chris. Good. good. Thanks. I have a question for you. Sure. Um, the, the question is work-related, workman comp-related, and um, about uh, nine months ago, I suffered an accident at work where, uh, in essence, the company was clearly liable. And um, the fortunate thing is is that it was all instantly approved uh, on workman's comp, and it was under video um, and everything. So my question is, and I may have a couple of partial questions depending on how you answer it. Um, uh, the video system, surveillance system and everything like that um, was set up in a way that you could later on uh, in the future still retrieve video in the past. Okay. And I didn't think of, you know, taking a video of it um, on my phone or something like that. But uh, I just thought it would always be there. Well, all of a sudden it seems to have disappeared and they don't do that anymore. They don't keep the uh, video program where you can retrieve uh, 
the stuff kind of like ever since that happened. And uh, the reason why I ask is, is because um, uh, the, the body fix uh, and everything like that is not going too well, and I may have to get representation and so forth. But wanted to know uh, if that was illegal for them to uh, dispose of the uh, video, or if uh, maybe the workman's comp place had to have re- received that video as, as evidence, um, and then maybe they have it, which I haven't called them on it. You know what, Chris? The last thing you said was going to be my first question. So when you initially submitted the worker's comp claim, was the video submitted? Probably in support of that. I hope so. That's okay. where uh, That's where you should be able to find it. Companies all the time have you know 30-day, 60-day Uh, loop systems where the video literally gets replaced every year 30 60 days so which is you know legal that's perfectly fine for a company to do that my concern however karen is the evidence with regard to that because if that is evidence in the workers comp claim that was not submitted for whatever reason and i really think it should have been then they i think company has an have an obligation to keep that to take it out of that loop that's going to get deleted every 30 30 days or so because it's evidence of a claim like what would you say to that okay so there's a concept called and i i may not be saying it right it's either spoilation or spoliation and i've heard people say it both ways and the Mm -hmm. concept is that if you know and this is you or a company knows that you're going to be in litigation about something you cannot destroy evidence and that includes emails communications uh, videotapes and if you do that um you the the company can be deemed to be liable because it's presumed that whatever they had that they discarded uh, is going to be basically disfavorable to them so that you get a court to actually have a ruling that that they you know that they basically uh, had evidence that they destroyed and, and it works against them now let me just say this a workers comp case there doesn't have to be liability and when I say that I mean that if you are injured while doing your job at the workplace it doesn't matter if it was your fault or the employer's fault. If you tripped and fell on your shoelaces, it would be covered as long as you were doing your job and you weren't doing something outside the scope of your employment. So I don't know how relevant the video actually is. Do you think it's going to show something that, because again, liability is not the issue. The issue is how badly are you injured? Right. Um, It does show uh, uh, a liable act on the company's behalf. In other words, um, they didn't protect an area, um, and it uh, was dangerous, and sure enough, I succumbed to that. Yeah. uh, You know what, um, Chris, let me, why don't you send me an email, and let me hook you up with uh, a workers' comp attorney. I have a woman who I always refer these cases to. She's been doing it for 45 years. She's very good, and she can answer Mm -hmm. these questions more clearly, and and if you need representation, she's going to be there. Okay, so let me give you my email address. It's WGN. At, W-G-N, yep, at, at askkarenconti.com. K-A-R-E-N-C-O-N-T-I. That's it. You could, win, you could win on the Wheel of Fortune. Yes, that's there correct. There we go. <laughs> All right, Chris, awesome. take care and, and, and hope your, uh, your injury heals quickly. We'll be back in a minute on WGN. My producer, I don't think your grandparents were alive, Jack, when the song was popular. <laughs> but I appreciate the thought. 
Do you know this was the number one album of all time, ranked the uh, Pet? What is it by the Beach Boys? Pet Sounds. Pet. Oh, Pet Something. Yeah. Pet, yeah. Yeah. Number one of all time. Did not ranked, know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Taylor Swift is going to be over. Oh yeah. On that. That's true. Yeah. I can't she's believe she's still that. here. I mean, she's she's still here tonight yeah. again. My daughters went on Friday night. They said it was absolutely incredible. Yep. Wow. Tonight's tonight's her last. You night. You must be making too much money. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, that was their Christmas present for the next five years. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know. I heard like yeah. front row tickets. <laughs> oh no, they weren't front row, Karen. <laughs> no, no. Um, I'm here taking your legal questions with Patrick Dolan. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. I got a nice text from someone who said it's those red uh, winged blackbirds who are also territorial. And I totally agree. I had a house in the middle of nowhere, and I used to go running, and those things would dive bomb me. And you got to really be careful; they could take your eye out. No. And I know you're like afraid of birds. So, now no, I am. Now yeah. I am. People laugh at me, but I am. You don't even want a feather pillow. <laughs> you you got serious issues, <laughs> Patrick. Serious I know. issues. That's just one of them, Karen. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got the microphone <laughs> on right now. 317 Erie Code. I have a question about landlord-tenant. Went through the eviction process. Um, it's unclear from the text whether or not the process was done. The sheriff came out, was scheduled to come out, but the landlord took all the stuff, locked, changed the locks, and destroyed property. So the question is, so first of all, I don't know if this is Illinois, so I'm going to answer if it were Illinois law. And generally speaking, a landlord is not entitled to self-help and not entitled to destroy property unless the whole eviction eviction process has gone uh, through its 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 entire course. So what happens if the landlord violates the law and destroys your property before he was allowed to do that? The question is, how much is your stuff worth? Do you want to file a small claims uh, against him? And what happens is if you file a small claims, he might go after you for unpaid rent. So unless you had valuable antiques and all kinds of things, it might be something that you might not want to pursue because you might get countersued for the remaining rent that you um, that you may owe. Is my best uh, my best answer. Let uh, we're going to take your phone calls here, but th- I don't have any up on the screen yet. But three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Patrick, we were talking about a, a call that came in this week. A woman called and said, I work for a law firm as a paralegal. One night on a business trip, I slept with my boss. It never happened again, but now I'm really embarrassed and it's affecting my job performance. I would prefer to work for another lawyer in the firm, but I don't want to offend him or tell others what happened for my sake and for his. Do you have any advice? That's uh, that's a really difficult situation. You have legal issues. It could be um, turned into like a sexual harassment claim, for example. Um, there are practical issues. She obviously isn't very interested in keeping her job and not upsetting that boss by requesting a transfer. But she can't do her job. So something has to give. Right. Um, and I would, um, you know... Sometimes there are employment assistant programs or lines where you could talk to and sort of vet that and say, I don't know what to do. I'm sure she's concerned about bringing it to HR because that's not necessarily a confidential conversation. HR says it will be, but it usually, frankly, is not um, because they may be compelled to start an investigation um, because what they're concerned about is ultimately the person, the woman in this circumstance, saying later on that it wasn't consensual and she felt obligated to have that relationship with her boss. Whether that was the case or not, that can turn into that. That's the company's concern, okay? Right. So... Um, you know, I, if she can raise the issue about working for somebody else without disclosing it, 
that's probably what she should do in turn, you know, for because I think it will address the issue of not working with him and allow her to keep working for the law firm. The question is, what if the answer is no? What if the firm's like, we have no other jobs. You need to work for them. And by the way, why do you not want to work for this boss any longer? She doesn't have to answer that. I understand that that's uncomfortable and, you know, may raise some concerns. But something has to give Karen. I'm concerned for her mental health um, that she just won't be able to do her job. And if it goes on and on to the point where she can't and she is in a performance improvement program or some performance issue and it's related to this, then it will come unraveled if she's eventually terminated. So before all of that happens, she should try to work for somebody else in the firm without disclosing it. If it's, you know... I, I think because the retaliation concern is legitimate. You know, you and I've had uh, oh, clients over the absolutely. years who don't know what to do in this exact situation. Um, and it is difficult. And she does want to work there. I, I'll take it one step further. I, yeah. I, I believe, and you know, and this is, I've seen it in action. This this woman is going to be the one blamed for it. Yeah. You know, this happens more often than not where you know, I had a case where um, a woman was being stalked. I mean, she was being stalked at home. She was being stalked all day long at her job. She complained about it. She complained about it. And finally, guess what they did? They transferred her to another uh, company, to another facility, mm-hmm. which was like 20 miles away from where she Which lived. is illegal, by the way. So Right. <laughs> and as soon as we right. brought it to the attention of the, the, the HR of the entire corporation, they were all apologetic. They gave for a bunch of money they put her back and they got mm-hmm. rid of the guy mm-hmm. but not until not until all of this stuff went down and i think to this day she still is deemed to be a troublemaker because she brought it to the attention of management and so what i'm saying is i think she's smart to be worried about the perception she doesn't want to be pointing fingers because listen I, I will say this: If you want your, if you want to keep your job, you have to be tactful about these things, and you know just by saying, "All right, he slept with me. I want to," you know, mm-hmm. you, that that doesn't that might be something you can do from mm-hmm. a legal standpoint, mm-hmm. but don't expect for the company to act correctly. That's what I always say. Yeah, even it, lawyers. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so that's you know, it's a short term and a long term thing. Does she want to? work at another law firm? Does she want to just kind of negotiate a deal and get out of there? But, you know, I've represented a lot of women over the years who are in this exact same circumstance. And Karen, what also happens is they may or may not terminate the guy. They do say, you know what, maybe she shouldn't work here any longer, despite the fact that she's being pushed out because she brought this to the attention of HR that she, you know, is being harassed or discriminated against or, you know, feels pressure or something like that. So then I am left with negotiating a deal for her to leave when obviously she's done nothing wrong and she has the claims, but... That's the practical reality. Yes. What does she want to do? Does she want to stay there? Does she want to leave? You know, I listen, I get it. The law is very much on her side in terms of anything that happens to her as a result of that relationship we had she had with her boss, right? So there's a lot of law retaliation laws, federal and state, that will protect her if steps are taken after she brings up her concerns about the relationship with her boss. But that doesn't, that runs smack dab into the practical reality of this woman's life. What is she supposed to do? 
you know? And so sometimes it is the best that she leaves. You know, I talk to these issues and you do as well, Karen, and say, listen, maybe it is better. Let me, let's get the best deal you can, a really good reference. No one will know about it. You'll get another job at another firm and go on about your life. That sometimes is the best practical result of that difficult situation and avoiding litigation and avoiding litigation which right we'll talk about because we if she's it. young yeah. and she wants to work for years and years and years you have to look at the long-term picture too especially if it's a small you know closely knit community like even law even though we have a lot of lawyers in chicago people talk and people, people do know. talk and you know if i know people at that firm and you're trying to get a job at this firm they're yeah. going to call me and ask you you know i know so you have to be careful so you have to be very very careful we have uh, one last segment to answer your legal questions uh we've got chris talking about definitely We've got a couple other ones uh, on the pipeline. 312-981-7200. I'm here with Patrick Dolan. This is the Karen Conti Show on WGN. Welcome back. I'm here with Patrick Dolan. If you want to call us here, we have time. 312-981-7200. If you want to reach us at the office during the week, uh, you can call us at 312-332-7800. And do me a favor. If you do leave a message, please leave some details. Don't just say I need to talk to you because then we don't know. We don't know what the issue is. We don't know if it's employment or family law or criminal. And the best way to reach us is the email because then I can send you something back like a link or a referral or an answer. Uh, and that's always better. And that's WGN at Ask com. Chris, welcome to the show. You have a question about defamation. Yes. Um, I was recently involved in an election process and everything, and one of the um, trustees had brought up a situation uh, back about 10 years ago in an open forum with other people present and alleged and it was never proven or there was nothing ever done that I had stolen $37,000 worth of baseball equipment. Now, first of all, that's ridiculous because all that equipment. Oh, Chris, are you still there? Oh, we just dropped. Um, okay, so maybe he'll call back. So he, so it sounds to me like there was there were in a public meeting. How many years ago did he say? He said 10 years. Oh. Yeah, 10 years. Um, I, I think he's saying this happened 10 years ago, Not not that the allegations were from 10 years ago, but okay. I guess we can address both yeah, yeah. both parts of this. Yeah. Um, defamation is, generally speaking, libel and slander. Slander is oral. Libel is written. Okay, so if there is a fact that someone said that's untrue, provably untrue, that damages your, your reputation and stealing something uh, from kids and baseball or whatever, it sounds like a... Sounds like a um, uh, a criminal act, Chris. So I, we want to just clarify: were the comments made ten years ago, or were they made recently about something that happened ten years ago? They were made at a meeting uh, this last um, February. Okay, at a village type of meeting. Now I recorded the conversation too. I had my phone out, and uh, I didn't expect this to come out of. Uh, thin air that oh well he, you know he basically in so many words you stole thirty seven thousand dollars worth of baseball equipment and then he starts going into after I told him I've got this being recorded it's an open public meeting I don't see any problem with it and uh, then he goes well you can't record me and I says this is an open public meeting and you just basically uh, def- defamed my character. Uh, with regards to in there's also personal there was witnesses there too people that were in the audience and okay. I 
And I'm just wondering, should I go after him? Should I go after the village? Okay, was he, was he, so it was a trustee at a, mm-hmm. at a village meeting? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. It okay. was basically a coffee and, and donuts with the mayor and trustees. Okay, so you have one year to sue. It's a very short okay. statute of limitations for defamation, just so everybody knows. Defamation cases are very hard to prove because the law disfavors defamation lawsuits in that free speech is usually... Um, is usually preferred. But as I was saying while you were off the air for a minute, that if it's a fact that was alleged by this person, a fact that was stated by this person that was provably false and that damages your reputation, then you have a lawsuit. The question is, bringing the lawsuit, is that something that a lawyer will take, number one, and that is affordable for you to to take? So uh, will a lawyer take that uh, on a contingent basis? I don't know. That's that's a question. I've, I've got lawyers who do this kind of work. Some of them do. Some of them don't. The question is, did you have any damages? Did you lose something? Did you lose the election? Did you lose a job? Yes. Did you, okay. I, I did not win the election. Okay. And uh, basically, it's been it's been going on. It's been a conspiracy uh, between uh, uh, the previous administration and a bunch of trustees that are still on the um the board and things like that and they were not happy that i was running against one of the current trustees so they were out there damaging my reputation and things like that uh, well, continuously patrick unless you're going to tell me otherwise i i don't see how you can tag the village for that no i was going to say just focus on the individual yeah and and so the question is let's just say you go to court you get a lawyer you spend four years litigating mm-hmm. and by the way when you litigate this thing these allegations are now in public record and the problem, with, right. one of the problems with defamation cases is that now you're fighting about it and more people might know about those allegations and, than they know about it right now. Like the whole Johnny Depp thing. Like I never knew he, you know, had issues until I watched his trial. Now we all know. You know, now we all know. <laughs> so, um, so you have to really, and then, and then are you going to be able to collect against this trustee? Say you get a $100,000 verdict. Does that person, are you going to go after his house and take his house away? I mean, that's a lot of work to collect judgment. So I think right. what you should do, I mean, I'm not saying this is a frivolous lawsuit because what you're telling me is pretty significant and pretty impactful to your life. And, you know, if you're a public figure and you want to run for office, this, this could trail you for a while. So... I think maybe you should email me and let me give you the names of a couple lawyers. And this is all they do. And so they will tell you whether or not they think it's worth it to bring the lawsuit. Okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, Let me go ahead and get my pen here. Can we put you on hold? Yeah. Let's put you on hold, Chris. And I'm going to give you that that email address. It's WGN at AskKarenConti.com. WGN at AskKarenConti.com. We get a lot of those uh, questions on the internet, a lot of people saying things that are false on the internet. I mean, sure. You just have to be careful. I mean, you know, a lot of people want to leave reviews or they want to, you know, say things like and just hit send. And you got to be careful because, again, if it's a fact that is provably mm-hmm. false, you're, right. you're running. And, you're it's running something, and it's something that damages him professionally. You, you don't even have to prove damages that exactly. w- if they're assumed because it harms you professionally. So, but the question is what to do about it. That's a much more difficult question. And, you know, a lawsuit is a very cumbersome thing. And, it, and Karen, it goes back to the issue we were talking about with the woman in the workplace issue. Um, you know, it filing a lawsuit 
is something that is incredibly stressful and yes. time consuming yes. and expensive. Um, and can last for one, two, three years if you appeal it even further. Oftentimes, frankly, most of the time, I think the practical reality of just resolving it is the best way to go. Now, you and I both know it's a process to work through clients because at the beginning, they're rightfully angry, they want to sue, et cetera, et cetera, and oftentimes they do have claims. But most of the time, they shouldn't file a lawsuit because it's so disruptive to their life. And ultimately, what they get out of it is a lot worse than if they just resolve it and move on to something positive in yes. their life. Because it weighs you down. It weighs you down. big, And people don't understand that. And I understand that. I Listen, I get it. You and I, can we hear it all that? People are upset and they're angry and rightfully so. And most of them do have legal rights that can be pursued. But is that the right thing to do? And so by the end of discussions, multiple discussions, people often come to the conclusion is, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, you know what? You'd have to do it for another two years. So it's a really good thing that we're going to resolve this, an agreement that you can live with, and you can leave the job or whatever it is. And I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying you don't have claims. But practically speaking, it's oftentimes the right thing. Just get on with your life. Put it behind you and get on. That's most of the time the right thing to do. And, and I have rarely in 35, six years of practicing, uh, have I ever had a client come back to me and say, I'm so mad I settled my case. Yeah, that, I'm so mad my divorce is over. I'm so mad that I accepted that personal injury settlement from, you know, I, I don't do that kind of work. But, you know, people are happy that they settle. Very they're, much so. They're happy for a good reason because it puts some bad situation behind them. Right. And like right. you said, putting your energy towards something positive. Positive, right. Is, a new job, a new group of people, yes. whatever it is, it's much, much better. Much, much better. And that's talking us out of business, but that's oh, but that's yeah. what our job is. Well, our we job... help them work through that, though. Yeah. We get that separation agreement yep. or whatever it is. Absolutely. So. Mike, welcome to WGN. I think you're going to be our very last caller. What's your question? All right, very good. Um, years ago, I came up with a brilliant idea for a line of uh, consumer products. I want to get into manufacturing and starting my own company. However... I don't know. Uh, okay, I got the name of the line of products, but I don't know what type of company it should be, whether I should have INC period after the name, LTD, C-O-R-P, LLC. I don't know what type of company yeah. it, when I trademark the name. I mean, I want to get a trademark. Yes. So what do I do? Okay, so I would uh, I would definitely talk to a lawyer and ask a lawyer that question. You can incorporate yourself. It's not that hard. But if you're really going to make a stab here at, at a business, I would say get a lawyer on board at this juncture because you're going to want that person to get all your bylaws and everything done correctly. And then maybe that lawyer can tell you how to renew it every year so you don't have to pay a lawyer to do it. But you also are going to want to get that trademark, right? And maybe there are some legal issues that you haven't even thought of yet, right? And this lawyer who has done a million different businesses is going to say all right uh, mike let's let's you also need to consider the following and, and you may need insurance for instance and a good lawyer is going to advise you on what kind of insurance to get for your particular business so um what you should do is email me i've got some business formation uh, attorneys who i work with and they would be happy to help you how does that sound well i don't have a computer i don't do emails i'm i'm old i'm a dinosaur i'm a techno klutz 
but I want to talk verbally with somebody who's an expert in this. So I trademarked the right name. Yeah. Somebody okay. call me. Well, I mean, yeah, sure. And you know what? It, this this day and age, you might you might want to get somebody to help you with some of this stuff because a lot there's a lot of people out there who won't deal with you unless you're 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 online. But I'm not to say that's not to say you can't find a lawyer who's going to help you. But I will give you my phone number at the office, and then you can call, remind me who you are. And, uh, and we'll get you taken care of. I'm going to put you on hold and give out the number, 312-332-7800. Thank you for joining me, and thank you, Patrick Dolan. Thanks, Karen. See All you right. tomorrow. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye.